Trapcast Express. Trapcast Express, it's Monday, August 2nd, 2021. It's been over two weeks now since Francis dropped his nuclear bomb on the traditional Latin mass, Tradiciones Custodes, and predictably, there quickly erupted a firestorm of outrage, disbelief, and defiance. Of course, it didn't take long for the first self-appointed pundits to appear online, telling everyone that this new Bergolian decree has no authority, is not binding, and should be ignored and resisted. Now, these people consider themselves to be orthodox, traditional Catholics, right? And yet, it does not occur to them that declaring a pope's universal disciplinary decision to be null and void is perhaps a little presumptuous and not something a layman or even a bishop or a cardinal has the power to do. But fools rush in where angels fear to tread. One man who could not wait to overrule his supposed pope was Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. Writing for The Remnant on July 16th, the very day the Latin Mass decree was released, Kwasniewski said this, quote, this is a declaration of total war and must be courageously resisted every step of the way, anything else to the contrary notwithstanding. The true guardians of tradition will be the clergy, religious, and laity who carry on with the traditional liturgy in the face of the infernal hatred directed against it. It is too high a price, and I'm skipping around here, it is too high a price to pay for obedience to a soul-crushing regime, whatever trappings of authority it claims to wear. This new motu proprio is as bad as it seems only if we allow ourselves to think and act as if we are bound by it, as if its provisions are licit. If, however, we recognize that it is inherently anti-Catholic and that no pope can rightfully trample on the members of the church, and on her venerable rights, as Francis is attempting to do, then we will see it more as an external burden, like a plague, a war, a famine, or an evil government to be overthrown or born with until its demise. Does the Pope have the authority to issue such a dictat? No, it is worth even less than the paper on which it is written." Unquote. Thus speaketh Professor Peter Kwasniewski, whose authority in the Novus Ordo Church is exactly zero. The following day, July 17th, a contribution by the same author appeared on the blog New Liturgical Movement. In it, Kwasniewski repeated his thesis, saying, quote, the new apostolic letter, Traditionis Custodes, is illicit on numerous grounds and should be ignored or resisted rather than accepted and implemented, unquote. Yeah, openly contradicting and defying a papal decree and inciting others to follow suit is definitely the traditional Catholic thing to do, right? Let's see. Writing to the Archbishop of Paris in 1885, Pope Leo XIII taught that, quote, if it should happen that those who have no right to do so should attribute authority to themselves, if they 
presumed to become judges and teachers if inferiors in the government of the universal church attempt or try to exert an influence different from that of the supreme authority, there follows a reversal of the true order. Many minds are thrown into confusion and souls leave the right path." Unquote. And that is from the apostolic letter Epistola Tua of Pope Leo Thirteenth. Now, what Pope Leo condemns here is exactly what Peter Kwasniewski has done, but I guess it won't matter to him since, you know, he's not bound by what a pope says, or so he thinks. But then it gets worse. See, it's not enough for Kwasniewski to reject the decree of someone he insists is the Vicar of Christ. No, he must also criticize those who do not defy the supposedly valid papal authority. On July 16th, the professor appeared on Restoring the Faith's The Rundown program on YouTube to discuss Traditionis Custodes. And around 48 minutes into it, he started talking about how when Paul VI introduced his new mass in 1969, almost no cardinal or bishop resisted him because they were all into ultramontanism. Listen to this. The whole church being steeped in ultramontanism had completely caved in, right? All that happened was, you know, Pope, Pope Paul VI said, this is the new liturgy, and even Cardinal Siri, of all people, right, and, and Archbishop Fulton Sheen, they just fell into line immediately, right? They didn't even bat an eye. It was like, oh, okay, well, this isn't my preference, but the Pope said it, I guess I have to do it. Yeah, I mean, how dare they obey the Pope, right? Look, what utter trash. Okay, Kwasniewski is arguing that the reason why Paul VI was successful in imposing the new mass is that not enough bishops and cardinals were resisting it, and the reason why they weren't resisting it is that they were all steeped in ultramontanism, by which Kwasniewski means an exaggerated notion of papal authority. In other words, according to Kwasniewski, if only the bishops and cardinals had realized that Catholic doctrine required them to show the Pope who's boss and defy his imposition of the new Mass, instead of, you know, obediently following what was decreed by the Holy See. Then Paul VI couldn't have gotten away with it, and that would have been the proper Catholic response. That's what Kwasniewski is saying. Ultramontanism is to blame. But, as we've seen already from Pope Leo XIII, that actually turns Catholic doctrine on its head and represents a reversal of the true order. According to the traditional Catholic magisterium, according to what's on the books, so to speak, and everyone can look this up for himself, it is for the Pope, for the Holy See alone, to regulate the sacred liturgy, and it is for the cardinals, the bishops, priests, and laity to follow the directives of the Holy See with filial submission. Their job is not to resist, but precisely to fall straight in line. Don't believe it? Well, here's what Pope Pius XII taught about it in 1947. Quote, the sovereign pontiff alone enjoys the right to recognize and establish any practice touching the worship of God, to introduce and approve new rites, 
as also to modify those he judges to require modification. Bishops, for their part, have the right and duty carefully to watch over the exact observance of the prescriptions of the sacred canons respecting divine worship. Private individuals, therefore, even though they be clerics, may not be left to decide for themselves in these holy and venerable matters, involving as they do the religious life of Christian society, along with the exercise of the priesthood of Jesus Christ and worship of God, concerned as they are with the honor due to the Blessed Trinity, the Word incarnate and His august Mother and the other saints, and with the salvation of souls as well. For the same reason, no private person has any authority to regulate external practices of this kind, which are intimately bound up with church discipline and with the order, unity, and concord of the mystical body and frequently even with the integrity of Catholic faith itself." Unquote. That was Pope Pius XII's encyclical Mediator Dei, paragraph 58. So that is the traditional Roman Catholic teaching, and Kwasniewski is wrong to criticize the cardinals and bishops for having loyally submitted to what came from the person they thought was the Pope of the Catholic Church. They were only acting consistently, in accordance with Catholic teaching. They believed the Pope was issuing a decree, and although many of them may not have been happy about it, they obeyed it anyway. That's how Catholicism works. That's not an exaggeration of papal authority. It is the orthodox view of papal authority. It is the only correct view. You can call it ultramontanism if you want, yes, if you understand the term in its proper sense, because then, as the old Catholic encyclopedia published in 1912 confirms, it is simply nothing other than Catholicism. The entry in the encyclopedia says, quote, For Catholics, it would be superfluous to ask whether ultramontanism and Catholicism are the same thing. Assuredly, those who combat ultramontanism are in fact combating Catholicism, even when they disclaim the desire to oppose it, unquote. And that is exactly what Kwasniewski is doing. He's combating Catholic principles while claiming to uphold them. Look, to accuse a Catholic of ultramontanism is to accuse him of Catholicism. Works for me. Now, Kwasniewski uses the term ultramontanism to mean an exaggeration of papal authority, but as we've seen, what he's really opposing is simply the doctrine of the Church. Pius XII, Leo XIII, and many others, of course. I just want to quote them all here now. So, of course, we're not saying that the bishops and cardinals who accepted the new Mass did the right thing in embracing that awful Novus Ordo liturgy. We're only saying that if you start from the premise that Paul VI is the true Pope, then accepting the new Mass is the only legitimate way of acting. What the bishops and cardinals should have done in 1969 is reject the new Mass and Paul VI. Well, they really should have done that at Vatican II already, but right now, let's stay focused on just the topic of the liturgy. Yes, they should have rejected not just the new Mass itself, they should have also rejected the man who imposed it, because 
and this is the key to it all, a true Catholic Pope is incapable of instituting a rite of mass that is evil, harmful, heretical, sacrilegious, and even, at least in most cases, invalid. Now, when we say that a pope is incapable of doing that, we don't mean that he can do it and then everyone has to resist it and declare it null and void. We mean, rather, that God will prevent him from doing it. The pope would drop dead before he could put a signature on a document like the Constitution of Paul VI promulgating the new mass uh, called Missale Romanum. Again, don't believe it? In the 16th century, the Council of Trent proclaimed, quote, If anyone says that the ceremonies, vestments, and outward signs which the Catholic Church uses in the celebration of masses are incentives to impiety rather than the services of piety, let him be anathema. Unquote. That's Council of Trent, Session 22, Canon 7. You can find it in Denzinger, number 954. So if you believe that the ceremonies of the new Mass are incentives to impiety, then the only way you can say that is if Paul VI wasn't a true Pope. Otherwise, you incur the anathema of Trent. See, this is why Sedevacantism matters. The whole traditionalist resistance to the Vatican II Church stands or falls with that question, the, 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 the Pope question. It is the linchpin that provides the solid theological foundation for refusing the Novus Ordo religion. Or consider Pope Pius XII. In his encyclical letter, Mystici Corporis, paragraph 66, he writes, quote, Certainly the loving mother, and here he's talking about uh, Holy Mother Church, certainly the loving mother is spotless in the sacraments by which she gives birth to and nourishes her children, unquote. Do the Semitrads believe that? Do, do they believe the Vatican II Church is spotless in the new Mass? You don't need to ask them. You can just look at the meltdown they've had since Francis told them he's phasing out the traditional Latin Mass, right? So, yeah, you can guess what they think about that uh, spotless new Mass. So, the clear Catholic doctrine is that the Pope alone judges concerning the sacred liturgy and that God prevents the Pope from instituting a liturgical rite that contradicts the faith or is impious or is harmful in any other way. And it is for that reason, because they had that proper Catholic understanding, that almost all the bishops and cardinals in 1969 loyally submitted to the new Mass of Paul VI. Unlike what Peter Kwasniewski blasts out on the internet then, the problem wasn't ultramontanism. The problem wasn't an exaggerated understanding of the papacy. The problem was that the man who gave them the new Mass was not, in fact, the Pope. He was an imposter. Now, I know this raises all kinds of questions about how could this happen and, and so on, but for all intents and purposes, the fact remains that we know he wasn't the Pope. That is a necessary conclusion. 
But Kwasniewski does not want to go there. He does not want to say that Paul VI was not a true pope. And so instead, he tinkers with the Catholic teaching on the papacy, to the point where he asserts that a layman can say that a papal decree is null and void and that others should hold it to be of no effect as well. So, in other words, then the Pope, according to him, has no authority of himself at all. It's just a matter of whether he does the right thing. And what the right thing is, that's determined by a bunch of academics, journalists, lawyers, and bloggers, or something. Yeah, that's traditional Catholicism, right? People have to understand that there is real meaning to the words Christ spoke to St. Peter in Caesarea Philippi. Quote, I will give to thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind upon earth, it shall be bound also in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose upon earth, it shall be loosed also in heaven. Unquote. That's Matthew 16, 19. The Pope has genuine authority to bind and loose. It doesn't matter if Peter Kwasniewski agrees with the decision or not. Or the Reverend John Hunwick, for that matter, the convert from Anglicanism who's received two invalid priestly ordinations, one in the Church of England, the other in the Vatican II Church. Just yesterday, he published a post on his blog in which he quotes the modernist Karl Rahner to help him justify his rejection of France's Traditionis Custodes. Writing in 1965, Rahner was considering the hypothetical case of a pope issuing a decree that all the Eastern Catholic churches had to get rid of their venerable Eastern liturgical traditions and instead adopt and conform to the Roman liturgy that prevails in the West. Rahner says that such a decree would be legally valid, but it would be a mortal sin for the pope to do that. Okay. Now, Hunwick takes this and runs with it, but not without adding an idea of his own. See, in the portion Hunwick quotes, Rahner doesn't say anything about resisting such a papal decree. It is, after all, legally valid. And that means binding, authoritative. It is Hunwick who adds the idea that because the decree was sinful for the Pope to issue, therefore everyone gets to resist it. But Rahner doesn't say that nor does Hunwick prove his thesis in any other way, shape, or form. Instead, Mr. Hunwick says, quote, Rahner was right. An action can be legally valid and at the same time be totally wrong. There is a something which can trump mere legal validity, and that something is holy tradition, unquote. Yeah, except Rahner didn't say that either. He said nothing about tradition trumping anything. That's Hunwick playing Catholic theologian. The blogging reverend continues, quote, I would simply say that such a pope and such a decree would lack all auctoritas, meaning authority, because they flout holy tradition, unquote. Yeah, and so Hunwick presumes to vitiate a papal decree with the words, I would simply say, this is supposed to be traditional Catholicism. It is madness. But this shows the state of recognize and resist traditionalism 
in our day. These people have the audacity to substitute their opinions for the judgment and the laws of the Pope. And yet they're surprised that Francis is working to snuff out their movement. Think about this for a minute. Why did Hunwick bother quoting Karl Rahner in the first place? Is he a Rahner fan? Does he consider Rahner a theological authority that he should be subject to? Of course not. No, Rahner simply came in handy. He was helpful to his argument, so he highlighted Rahner. And there you can see how semi-trad theology works. They start with a desired conclusion, in this case, the conclusion that Traditionis Custodes is bad, has no authority, and must be rejected, and then they look for evidence that supports that conclusion. It's bottoms-up argumentation when it really ought to be top-down. And so, in Hunwick's case, that means he knows right away that he won't obey Traditionis Custodes. And then he begins by looking for justifications not to obey. And if he has to finagle the theology a bit to make his case, so be it. And then, in the end, he presents this distorted theology as traditional Catholicism and as giving the reason why Catholics may conclude that Traditionis Custodes is null and void. It is absurd. Look, once you set down the principle that the Pope, the Vicar of Christ and head of the Catholic Church, can establish a liturgical law and yet individual bloggers, professors, journalists, priests, even bishops or cardinals can just kind of announce to the world that the decree has no force, for whatever reason, then the papacy is over. And if the papacy is over, then Catholicism is over. No, I don't mean that Catholicism is over when there is no Pope. I mean that if you deny that the Pope has supreme and definitive authority, then you have no papacy at all. Then you've changed the dogma on the papacy, and then you no longer have Catholicism, then you have a different religion. When in 1773 Pope Clement XIV abolished the Jesuits, they were abolished. Tradition or no tradition, that's how it works. The religious order of the Jesuits, the Society of Jesus, did not exist from 1773 until 1814, when Pope Pius VII re-established it. Even if you want to say that Pope Clement sinned by abolishing them, and it was a very controversial move at the time, and he certainly didn't do it with gusto, but just felt it was the lesser evil given the unjust political pressures against the church. Even if Pope Clement sinned in suppressing the Jesuits, suppress they were. St. Alphonsus Liguri, whose feast day is today and who was alive at the time, he was grieved by Pope Clement's decision, but he didn't pretend that it wasn't valid, and he didn't tell people to disobey. The Pope any true pope has genuine, supreme, and final authority over the entire church. His liturgical decrees, his teachings, his laws are authoritative and binding on consciences. Unlike the presumptuous, uninformed, 
dangerous and downright heretical musings of John Hunwick and Peter Kwasniewski. Tratcast Express is a production of Novos Ordo Watch. Check us out at tratcast.org, and if you like what we're doing, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution at novosordowatch.org slash donate. Thank <laughs> you.